Hello and welcome to the Evity Lab podcast. My name is Sam and I'm here with my good friend AJ. Hey there. Together we review movies, TV shows, and streaming content. On today's episode, we are joined by my lovely co-worker, Mr. Brett Frizzell. Hey guys, how's it going? How about like something more Canadian? How's it going, <laughs> eh? All right. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Open the pod bay doors, Hal. What is it you want, Barry? You, you want the moon? I yes. want the truth! I see dead people. Shoot your eye out, kid. This is Sparta! I am the father. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us all unite! Orphaned at the tender age of nine, prodigious introvert Beth Harmon discovers and masters the game of chess in the 1960s USA. But child stardom comes at a price. All right, I think our audio levels are pretty all good. AJ, do you feel like you're good? Uh, yeah, I feel I feel these. I feel these. Now it sounds like you're fondling the microphone. I was at that moment. Yes. Yeah. See, you dirty <laughs> freaking liar. Yeah, I'm a hypo- I'm a hypocrite. I fondle the mic, but now I'm not. I'm not touching it. it. Sounds good, right? Well, let me begin by presenting you all with a question: Would you consider yourselves chess? Experts. <laughs> what, what a starting prompt. I love it. I deeply enjoy chess and I play it fairly frequently. I would not consider myself an expert or a master uh, like any of the characters in this series. Well, from day to day, Brett's told me many a time that he himself is uh, a well-known chess master in America. Damn. Way oh, to go, yeah, Brett. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, I would say I started learning with the, the random crew of guys in middle school, played a little bit then, played a little bit maybe after high school for not enough to call myself good. Um, understand the game, but by no means expert either. I don't want to brag, but I did end up beating uh, a couple we met when we and Jess went on a cruise. They had the giant, like, oversized chess on the cruise oh, ship. Oh, nice. That's fun. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I beat this girl that we met. <laughs> so, <laughs> way to go, dude. <laughs> kind of uh, master myself. <laughs> I, uh, I was watching some behind the scenes stuff earlier, and I, I've uh, apparently none of the people playing in the tournaments really knew how to play much chess either. Really? I mean, like a couple of them like knew how the pieces operated, but for instance, um, Anna Taylor Joy, who plays Beth, she had no knowledge of chess whatsoever. I thought I heard something conflicting though, where they said that all the games that she played were for real, like they were real games. Yeah, no, she she had to learn it while they were doing it. I'm sorry, I guess I'm talking pre-show, and then they started, you know, getting her. To do things like learn how to play speed chess and she she said she found that really fascinating to do did you guys like her as beth yes i think she's a great fit for it i found that i don't know i think they picked the right character to have her skew young have her skew older you know just by how the, the different ways they made her up really allowed her to be dynamic in her age to, to fulfill all the roles they needed her to she's also a, not a wouldn't call her striking but she's definitely a unique look 
And, you know, by, by giving her the, the red hair, you know, top that off too. When I saw her, I'm like, wow, she has a very interesting look about her face that doesn't, you know, it's not a quote unquote normal looking face. And she said in another behind the scenes interview, I think that when she was talking with the director or the costume designer, that Beth should have red hair. And they both thought the same exact thing to kind of set her apart from everybody else. Something striking to set her apart from a general character or anybody else like that. Yeah. Right. In, in that, in that clip that Sam's referring to the, the costume person uh, referred to, or no, I'm sorry, this was Anna Taylor joy referred to that choice of having red hair as uh, a, a distinguishing feature that made her very unique, even though she didn't want to be or really perceive it as that. Do you guys recognize her that she was from split? I totally forgot. She was in split with uh, McAvoy. Oh, I didn't see split. What? You haven't seen Split, dude? I haven't seen Split. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Brett, you've seen Split, haven't you? No. Oh, my God. Look at that. You're a minority now. Jerk. (laughs) (laughs) She was a model, too, I think. She looks like she could be a model. (laughs) She she has a very model-esque face. At age 16, she was scouted at a walking past a Harrods in London, I think. I was going to say, I read up on her. She's of multiple... Heritages. Born in the United States, lived in Argentina, uh, lived in um, London area, like kind of a, a full gamut of, of culture. I found her to be an absolutely stunning performer during this series. And I think she really carries the series a notch above what it might have been were it not for her um, as Brett kind of alluded to, she's really adept at morphing with the character Beth as she ages. You know, she she plays, you know, the the childish Beth and gradually matures that character, I mean, effortlessly. And I think she does a really good job of cataloging anguish, excitement, uh, and her her limited range of emotions really perfectly with minor eye movements and face movements. Her, I think her, her stare and the cinematography is partly to, to thank for this too, but the way it ca- the, the camera captures her, her eye stares towards the camera is just, it's, it's very, very good. I'm told Elizabeth that you turned 13 just last month. Yes, that's right. I'm 13. Elizabeth has performed well in all of her schoolwork. She is at the top of her class in reading and arithmetic. That's very impressive. Beth is also a very strong student in science and geography and has been kindly assisting Miss Lonsdale with chapel for several years now. She is the model Methuen girl. I can see that. I kept seeing this series on my Instagram feed, you know, in my, uh, in the explore page. And I thought, oh, I should give this series a try. And I started it and I read on IMDb, like, don't start this series at late at night. And that's exactly what I did. And <laughs> that's how you start all your series. Though. <laughs> and here I am three episodes in. I'm like, what am I going to do here? This is, this, is a, this is a life decision to, to end this year and pick it up tomorrow or don't sleep, you know? Such as the dilemma, the catch-22 of a fantastic series. The challenge with this is how do you make chess interesting to a wider audience that will have wide appeal? And what they did, AJ, regarding like the eye line of her and even the other people who play, they focused less so on uh, the chess pieces themselves and the board and more on cutting to the people's reactions 
to the different plays and things like that so that you could connect with that more. So that was kind of how they, I think, offset the technicality of chess a little bit, maybe. Right. And I think that was a brilliant choice because um, I think what I enjoy most about this series overall is that it's writing and cinematography conveys a deep love for chess without requiring a lot of technical know-how. And through that writing and cinematography, it conveys the total devotion that Beth and her supporting cast have for the game. And the tournament matches are far and away the most dramatic, suspenseful, and fun moments of the series. And without having any knowledge of chess, you know you know, when something's going wrong, when something's going great. And these moments are mesmerizing and electric. I don't understand about chess clocks. The clock face nearest you measures your playing time. Each player has 90 minutes. After you move, you press that button on top, and it stops your clock and starts your opponents. And you see that little red flag over the number 12 on each clock? Mm-hmm. Well, yours will fall down when the 90 minutes is up. And if it does that, you've lost. Can we talk about for a sec, though, how much of a prick the dad is who's married to uh, uh, the mom who adopts Beth in this? I was trying to figure out, like, is her husband cheating on her or did he just run away? I think it's kind of implied. Yeah, he's a huge asshole and uh, he just kind of like bails out. Uh, I'm glad we didn't delve into like what he was doing, but it was clear he was just like not in the picture. Sorry, I was going to say, yeah, his thing towards one of the the last episodes where he's like, yeah, I didn't really give you the house. I want that back was one last big dink move, right? Yeah, one big fuck you. (laughs) Such a weird era to grow up in where... (laughs) the whole idea that helps push the plot forward of the chess and how Beth can become even better at it is with the magical, what, morphine pills she takes? Tranquilizers. Oh, yeah, tranquilizers. And how... uh, (laughs) Just how much that addiction gets fed or built up once her adopted mom starts feeding her alcohol and all this other stuff, too. Yeah. Now, she's got some problems. (laughs) Do you guys think you would have done tranquilizers back then? I feel like I might have done a couple just to see what it'd be like. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good boy, and I I I think it's interesting because uh, and they mentioned this in some of the behind the scenes stuff is it was like regular practice in this era to give kids at orphanages tranquilizers like this to chill them the hell out. That era has thankfully passed. <laughs> I mean, Brett just had a second kid. So I feel like, you know, would you be tempted to give your kid a tranquilizer every now and then? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You give them a little uh, opium. That's what it is. Yeah. You just ch- put them to sleep with a little little drug action. I don't think you can get it in the States. I'm sure more parents would have tried it by now. Yeah. <laughs> Today's tranquilizer pills is called Cocoa Melon on YouTube. Honestly, looking through some of the, the stats on this, this was one of the top series on Netflix that was actually beat out by Coco Melon. So if that goes to show you where the... What the hell is Coco Melon? What do we... <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's a it's really... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, what is it? I'm just I'm confused at what we're talking about. It's a kid's program. It's just Oh, very... that's why you guys know because you... Yeah. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. You've been watching with kids. It's the way to make your kids stop crying for at least an hour if you need an hour. You know, back in my day, you just you could give a kid SpongeBob and that would be good enough. But I guess it's not good enough anymore. Times have changed, my friend. Times have changed. I suppose you'll be going to a grad night party or two. 
No. We have Mexico City in two weeks. And then the US Championship. And then Remy Vallon in Paris. Paris? They invited me. Paris? <laughs> My God. This is like the most successful thing, one of the most successful things in Netflix history. It was a record-setting 62 million households watched Queen's Gambit in the first 28 days, uh, making it the number one limited series on Netflix. And side effects of this, also the the Queen's Gambit novel, which was released 37 years ago, shot up to uh, the New York Times bestseller list again. Google search inquiries for chess doubled and inquiries on chess sets and chess purchases are up 250% and 170% on another platform. Should have bought stock in chess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the number of new players has increased fivefold on chess.com. So I think that's really cool is that this this series has inspired a lot of cool, cool growth in, in a really fun game. Yeah, I don't know if I could ever even play chess though with... Even the timers, the timers stress me out super, like a ton. Well, that's just tournament play. Uh, they have those in parks, though, don't they? Well, you can. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying in general, if I had to use it, I'd be like, eh, hmm. But like casual chess, like most people don't give a shit about a timer as long as you're not one of those guys who's like sitting there for two hours. Well, see, again, that's the difference between me and you guys. I, as a master myself, <laughs> you spend five hours per per piece. All I do at work when I'm with Brett is instead of listening to him or editing, I just envision chess uh, in my head all day long. Oh, I see. <laughs> Practice. On yeah. The ceiling on the ceiling of his office. Yeah. <laughs> he catches me just <laughs> laid back in my chair looking up. <laughs> I have a handful of tranquilizers. <laughs> I've I've actually known people that can do the um, the technique of playing games in their head, and they can play without looking at the board. It's quite the skill. And I, I feel as much as I love chess, I feel like I don't have the computational brain for, you know, how these players can see 15 moves ahead. I feel like I'm decent at seeing the immediate plays, but some some of these grandmasters, I mean, they know how the game's going to go 15, 20 moves ahead. And uh, they, yeah, I feel like it takes a very specific kind of brain for that. Yeah, I remember watching, um, this might date me, but the movie Searching for Bobby Fisher with Ben Kingsley, where the line at the end is, don't move until you see it. Don't move until you see it. And you can tell him he's trying to play the whole game in his head without moving the pieces. And that just kept resonating with me this entire series, <laughs> sitting there watching this show with my wife, right? Um, because, of course, she's asking me different chess questions and what what are those? Why are they doing that? Why are they writing that down? You know? That's that was what resonated with me the whole time was was Ben Kingsley's voice <laughs> saying that same line over and over again. Oh, that's funny. That's relevant, right? The visual effects they have in this to visually depict how Bath and the other players even are envisioning the moves ahead are pretty cool too. They're they're not like super in your face, like crazy or anything, but just seeing. The, like the time speed up and the pieces move really fast and all the different options. And when Beth takes the magical tranquilizer pills, I really liked how the pieces just appeared from the ceiling and it has this kind of ominous sound to it. It was really cool, but in a minimalistic way, it didn't like punch you in the face of check out this visual effect. It's pretty crazy. 
I think a lot of the elements of the series are pretty subtle, whether it's side characters or things like that. Um, it's a, it's a surprisingly simplistic series um, with what it's doing, and it, it it doesn't shove anything too hard in your face. I thought it was cool too the way they different they showed the different styles of chess, you know, speed chess and the long game, talking yeah. about the the middle, the beginning, and the the end game, and by showing that in the different dynamics, it really helped even somebody who might be a beginner or uh, new to chess be excited about the game as opposed to just sitting watching people play a very seemingly stoic game. Right. No, I thought they did such a good job of that. I mean, it, 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 they make it look like an, an exhilarating sport that everyone should be watching. Yeah, especially when she comes in and beats the entire school chess team all the boards at a time. <laughs> They're all just marveled at how they've just lost to this 12-year-old girl, Right. Right. Yeah, no, and that that shit's crazy. I I forget what the record is, but yeah, like people, grand chess masters have done, you know, exhibition games where they play 50 games at once and beat ev- nearly everyone. It's wild. Take your seats and be quiet, please. Charles Levy will take board number one since he's our top player. The rest of you can sit where you want to. There will be no talking during play. Do I start now? with board number one. And then I go on to the next one? That's right. Who's the guy with the hat in this, the cowboy hat? Oh, that's Benny. Benny was a very interesting character to me. I was trying to like figure him out the whole time as to like whether or not he was going to, I don't know, I guess be more of a nemesis or a friend. And <laughs> I guess that says a lot to his character because I was just like, who are yeah. you? Well, that's what's so interesting about Benny and also Harry, the other kind of chess guy that she beats early on, is they their first stage is kind of nemesis people that she has to like conquer and overcome. But then she becomes like really good friends and romantic interest to them. The most interesting character moments in this series are with Harry and Benny, because the series is focalized through chess, that all-encompassing purpose is where we see her flaws, triumphs, and relationships at their fullest. You know what's interesting, too, is that, I mean, Beth, by default, is a very, you know, kind of reserved, out-there character, and she has trouble connecting to people. And, you know, you might think initially when she sleeps with the cowboy dude and then the first guy that she beats... Benny and Harry. <laughs> Brett, you'll come to know that I'm terrible with names on this podcast. <laughs> the cowboy hat guy. And <laughs> what was the main character's name again? <laughs> uh, uh, Bohumia? B- Brittany? Brittany? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it was just interesting where you might think, oh, she's going to fall in love with this sweet guy or she's going to fall in love with this kind of wild, crazy guy. Uh, or even the guy who I think is bisexual she is attracted to. But in the end, her ultimate love is for chess. And that's what her passion is, uh, even though it almost kind of destroys her too. Right. <laughs> Just this love-hate relationship that yeah. she has. It's, de- it's definitely how she feels most comfortable interacting with the world and other people is through chess. Yeah, I often go into Brett's office and I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? And he's just sitting there reading a chess book. And I'm like, oh, what are you reading? And he's like, oh, well, I sometimes I read about pawn to b5 and i'm like oh cool man that story sounds fake no no, no. brett can attest to it brett is this is this true or is he bullshitting i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's it's up in the air whether it's it's fact or fiction fair enough yeah. 
Brett's Canadian, so he already has a hard time connecting with people. Oof, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Do what I can on a daily basis, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a boot rate. And Brett's hung up. Oh, dear. Like <laughs> Why, hello, Beth. Why, hello, Benny. I read about your game of Borgov. That must have felt terrible. Felt like a fool. I know that feeling. You should see the places they play in the Soviet Union. Oh, I'm planning on it. You have to get past me first. I'm planning on that too. What was the weirdest or lackluster episode for you guys to watch? I think the entire series is really well paced. I guess just the beginning chapters are just by nature slow. I don't think they're bad. They're just less good. Yeah, I would say so. I'd agree with that. And I think somewhere around maybe episode three where it takes a turn after, you know, her and her newly um, adopted mother kind of take the show on the road, right? I think that's when it kind of takes a turn and starts to pick up with an excitement, yet also starts to get a little bit darker too with you know her inner demons that she's battling. But I'd, I'd agree with that. The first couple episodes, they they grab your attention, they keep you watching it, but are not by any means the most exciting ones. I think I'm the opposite. I was actually most intrigued by probably the first two episodes and as cliche as it might be the last one because I liked it when her friend in the adoption place, Jolene, comes and ultimately saves her. And then all her friends unite to kind of support her and make her realize that, you know, you're not in this alone, whether you're in your own head and wanting to play chess by yourself all the time, we're here to support you. Yeah. I mean, that last episode is so good with all of her friends, like sitting by the phone, telling her or helping her coach through things uh, from New York to Moscow. You all there? I'll put her on. Hello? If he goes for the night, hidden with the king rook pawn. Benny? If he goes for the bishop, do the same thing, but open up your queen file. How do you know? It's in the times. 7 a.m. here, but we've been working on it for three hours. We? Hi, Beth. Hi, Harry. It's really nice to hear your voice. Oh, uh, hang on. Hey, assholes. This is costing me a bundle. Beth, listen to me. You gotta open up that file, okay? The perfect ending they had, though, was super good of her walking through uh, into, into the park in Moscow to just like play chess with a bunch of amateur old men in a park. Uh, it's just like a very sentimental and and endearing way to end the series that's her love interest that's how it should have ended right yeah and that's and that is how it ended yeah she she loves chess and that's how she that's how you that's how she gains insight into the people that she interacts with in the world she ain't need no man no no she's had her way with men that's that's (laughs) she she knows what she's doing this series just the way it ended i was blown away at how bright it ended a bit, you know, just kind of turned and all of a sudden all these demons and all the things that she'd been trying to battle immediately a switch turn and she just made it happen. And it had this huge happy ending. I really wasn't expecting that. It just kind of came out of left field for me. You thought it'd be a little darker. Yeah. I don't know. Somehow I thought maybe she'd, she'd win. Right. But I didn't think it would just be this huge team effort and everybody would click and her life would turn happy. Right. Well, especially with the foreshadowing of, you know, her her troubled childhood and her drug and alcohol addiction. 
Yeah, and and the, the series treads those familiar thematic elements that we're all familiar with, but it, I think, very skillfully avoids predictable cliche and uses all of those darknesses in her life in a way that complements the storytelling really well without getting too bogged down into it or being too heavy-handed in its messaging. You know how I thought this was going to end, Brett? I <laughs> When she beat... Uh, is it Gorbachev? Gorbachev? No. I can find out the name for you. <laughs> Mikhail, Mikhail Gorbachev. Borgov. <laughs> it's, it's Vasily Borgov. I want to hear... <laughs> Just... <laughs> Okay, when she beats the big bad Russian guy at the end, <laughs> I thought we were going to have to have like Beth and or the US government help rescue him from the uh, Russian, uh, what's it called? KGB. Um, the KGB. Like I thought he was going to slip her a note saying like, help me and my family get out or something. But he's just like, all right, good job. Hugs her and leaves. <laughs> Sam, I think you've fatally misread what this series is. <laughs> if you thought it was going to end with him being like, please, I wish to come to America. Because <laughs> they foreshadowed that in the uh, earlier episode or something where they're like the KGB and the Russians are they're watching him all the time. They'll never let him out of their sight because they always want him to keep playing chess. Sure. And they won't let him stop. I'm like, oh, it's going to have something to do with that. And maybe they'll... Beth will help him escape. She'll throw a chess piece at the KGB. <laughs> so I think I think the reason why they imparted that little bit of knowledge is to impart how serious the Soviets took chess and how it was like what he lived, he ate and breathed throughout his his adult life. And whether he liked it or not, he was he was supposed to be a chess machine. Not not that he was going to eventually seek political asylum. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I feel like it's a pretty weak argument. Brett, would you agree with me? No, don't agree with Sam. He doesn't deserve it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Brett, please. Sorry. All right. Yeah, well. you, you misread it. It's fine. We can move on. <laughs> if you agree with me, feel free to write in or comment on this post. <laughs> we'll start a fundraiser. We'll get some support for you. Support Sam 2021. <laughs> I don't know if the same rules apply today. or I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what the state of chess is today. If you could make a living going on the road playing chess like she does in the film. So I think there are professional chess players that do this. I don't know how widespread it is anymore. I mean, there used to be kind of like a golden age of chess, and this kind of encapsulates some of it where it was like a really, really big deal. And I don't think it has quite that status anymore, but it's still, there's definitely a circuit of these like international pros that go around. Do you feel like you guys would have made money doing this if you were? No, <laughs> not, a, not no. a chance, not a chance. No. My ADD keeps me from being any good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> like you get too bored of playing it after a couple of times? <laughs> two, two moves in. All right, let's move on. Game over. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, it's it's tough to, to win these tournaments. It's like I, like I was saying earlier with these people that I can play 15 moves in advance. If, if you have the brain for that kind of stuff, then you're going to kick ass. But if you're seeing only one or two moves ahead, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah, it's a different it's a different type of person. You have to be creative, intellectual, and somehow focused all at the same time. And it doesn't overlap with too many people. See what I would do, I think, if I were in a tournament and I knew I was losing, I would pull the old Monopoly move where I'm just like, 
whoopsie doopsie and i flip the board like in the air to knock all the pieces off and then it's just a, it's a draw automatically yeah that's a good point you should have i can't believe they didn't show that in this series more people doing that strategy I th- well there's going to be a season two and i feel like i'll probably be called up with along you guys you can get you guys could be my pas and uh yeah i'll direct that episode and i'll put that in there yeah, I mean, where were the cell phones taking pictures of the boards? Today? I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's no selfies or like no, what the hell? No proof. It, it moved. I I didn't move that, sir. No. Nope. <laughs> I made some inquiries. The Open Championship is often shared. I didn't see what he was doing. You can't finesse everything all the time. Nobody can. You don't know anything about Jess. I know what it feels like to lose. Yeah, I bet you do. And now you do too. You know what I, I thought too is at first I thought the guys playing the twins they were doing a kind of social network thing where <laughs> yeah. they faked it. Like I didn't think they were actually twins at first. <laughs> oh, you're going. You thought it was an Army Hammer remake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very Did topical. Right you now. Think that Very topical. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> why, why would Why would they do that? I don't know. I, maybe they're just having... They really liked this guy and they were having trouble. I mean, he, maybe he didn't have a twin, so they just, you know, faked it in post or something. For some reason, I got that in Wait, are you talking about like a situation with like um, the parent trap where they duplicate him? Yeah. Oh, I I wonder that too. And I, I suppose I could look it up here. Let me... See? Not such a dumb idea now, is it? Yeah. I no, know. it's two guys. Yeah, it is two guys. It yeah, is. Two yeah. Guys. Oh, yeah, they're twins. Okay. Yep. All right. Ironically enough, though, they're almost always in the same movies together. So they've kind of got a racket going. Yeah. What other I, movies have they done? Well, I don't know. I just looked it up and saw they, they act in the same stuff. The cinematography is probably not important. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm sure that happens to a lot of twins, especially if they're even mildly talented. It's like, whoa, twins. That's only how you think, AJ. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is that too insensitive to twins? Ooh, twins. Like in Harry Potter and obviously the parent trap, the most famous twins. They're all the same guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I did wonder if they were the same guy, but it it they did have pretty independent movements of each other. It would have been a pain in the ass to actually do that. God, I, I still can't get over how crappy it would be to be a woman in this time, though. Because what is this? The 19... 19- 80s 70s <laughs> good good try 50s and 60s all right 50s all right all right all right fair enough hey fair enough <laughs> <laughs> to be a dude i mean <laughs> you have all the power compared to i just can't even put my myself in best shoes at this point let alone be a more introvert type person like beth yeah well you know what's interesting about that is the series did not focus all that much on sex discrimination or or gender discrimination. And something that was noted about the author is that his story is almost kind of envisioning a future, like modern times right now, where, where women have more just general equity. I mean, there's a brief scene where, you know, the twins are kind of astonished that a girl is entering this this tournament. But after that, it's not like a persistent theme of of people underrating her or taking advantage of her or anything. She's very much an equal. And I, I think it's kind of a refreshing um, faux history that uh, I remember a Washington Post critic mentioned that it's, it's it's interesting to see what this alternative history would have been. Because yeah, if this was legit 
1960s, she would have faced every match with people <laughs> being condescending an asshole to her. They say you're the real thing. So can you tell the readers of life how it feels? And to be a girl among all those men. I don't mind it. Isn't it intimidating? I mean, when I was a girl, I wasn't allowed to be competitive. I played with dolls. Chess isn't always competitive. No, but you play to win. Yes, but chess can also be... What? Beautiful. I mean, the two big players that I think help Beth down her path towards chess stardom are the custodian and then her adopted mom. We sort of breezed over her adopted mom a little bit. We didn't talk about the custodian yet, but just how pivotal each of those characters are in her development. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Shable. Yeah, he's a great character. And I think he's all the greater when we see that poster board that he made. I don't know if it's in the last or the second to last episode. That was probably one of the more emotional scenes of the series. And I think that's probably the only time we see her cry, I think. Except maybe when her yeah, her mom dies. Um, but I thought that was, I mean, it was a awesome scene because it was just it brought it back home to that first episode it's such good storytelling because it's showing not telling like a lot of other lesser films or series do right it says so much that he kept that board and you know and they she probably really regretted not coming back to him just to like say hi or keeping in touch with him more but he clearly was was rooting for her every step of the way i already know some of it from watching that one moves up and down or back and forth, all the way, if there's space to move in. And this one? On the diagonals. Let's play a game. I play white. Now or never. Have you guys had your own custodian Jedi teacher growing up? Brett? No. (laughs) (laughs) I've got... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got no secret secret stardom where if someone stopped me something, so no. <laughs> you never like no hockey coach or anything ever stuck out to you? No, well, my dad played hockey and you know, taught me all the all the ins and outs, so that's I guess the best closest comparison. But Yeah, that's a legit comparison. Yeah, there's no there's no secret badminton um <laughs> prodigy that i was friends with growing up i'm gonna come into the office and see brett like playing pickleball with like a mr miyagi type character that would be really something. funny that that would be great yeah i have a lot of fond memories of teachers and coaches and from just being generally supportive during during things it it never got me to be a international chess star so i'm kind of bummed about about that and that speaks poorly on them i think well you should have tried harder <laughs> I, I I prefer to blame them rather than me about my failures as an international chess master. That's the way to work out your problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I would share that sentiment. I think, you know, there's certainly been teachers over the many years through middle school and high school. Some stick out more than others. Uh, and then I can't say too many sports coaches have stuck out to me because I wasn't that good at sports, even though. I was decent at track and I was okay at football. I was in it, but they more or less just yelled at me during that and they didn't really teach, <laughs> but yeah. whatever. <laughs> football is an abusive process, I think, even if you're good. <laughs> Brett, did you ever play football? No, baseball and hockey. I uh, stayed, out of, stayed out of the football. Too many concussions kind of thing. Yeah, tell me this. When you were playing baseball and or basketball and or hockey, 
rather than be like, okay, Brett, here's what this position does. And here's how like this happens. Did they just yell at you and expect you to know your position or what to do automatically? That's funny because, you know, depending on the coach, I feel like even, okay, so this will get too long winded, but in baseball, I remember, like you say, people breezing over that you should know this. And then probably somewhere around my sophomore or junior year, I had a coach come in and tell the entire team, like, you guys are all doing this wrong. Let's break this back down to when you were like, <laughs> let's take, let's take you back to when you were 10, when you should have learned all this stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, that does happen. People just expect you to know what you're supposed to do, but it's the good coaches that point them out along the way, right? Yeah, I mean, track was okay because they have to walk you through all the different types of events and stuff. Well, track's easy. You just fucking run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's te- different techniques and stuff you can do for yeah. events. But yeah. football, it's like you you go in. I started in eighth grade and I like, I mean, I watched football, but I didn't know what positions do specifically. And they just basically yell at you like, try harder, run faster, hit harder. It's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I do want to say, though, I did start on everything because I was pretty good. But, You're a uh, pro. Well, I started playing football my freshman year of high school, and it went miserably. <laughs> I Yeah. I was slow. There was a, a very distinct slowness to my feet in high school, which turned into quite a bit of speed in college. But So no one really wanted me on the football team anyways, so it didn't really matter. Yeah, better to avoid the concussions altogether anyway. Yeah, yeah. So you could, well, unless maybe we missed out, you guys, because maybe if we would have played football more, gotten concussions, we would have inherited the gift of being able to see 15 moves of head in chess. You think that's how it works? That's how they knock I the mean, brain cells into place? I might ram my head into the wall after this and see if it works. All right. I like that idea. Brett, let me know if you want to do the same. We can play chess over the weekend. I, I feel like that's counterintuitive. You feel like I should bang your head into the wall and vice versa? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've, I feel like I've had a lot of good ideas in this podcast. You guys have shot a lot of them down. So I just want to put that out there. One thing I wanted to mention to you guys, I was kind of blown away how the entire series was filmed in Germany. Did that not strike anybody as A, compelling and B, unsure why? Yeah, I thought that was super interesting too, that most of this was filmed in Berlin. And Berlin has a lot of really interesting diverse architecture all around so it kind of makes sense how they can find all this stuff but they did it it really fools me you're like oh yeah they're in kentucky right now or oh yeah they're in paris they like they do a great job of that yeah for sure was it that much more economical just set wise is why they did it i i think that's what i what i got the gist of i mean they used these um set people in germany and they were able to find all this um they did a few scenes in the states and in another location as well but the most of it was done in in berlin for these grand hotels and ballrooms and they used a couple palaces i remember the set and its development is part of what makes this a, a near masterpiece to me it's I just the production and effort is so good across the board I would have never have guessed it was all filmed in Germany. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. Like literally the Ohio, the Kentucky stuff. Mexico City. You'd Mexico. never know. Yeah. Mexico City was there too? Yeah, it was. I What? I, I can't even imagine just building those sets would be cost effective. Well, uh, you, yeah, you'd have to talk to them on the number crunching there. Uh, <laughs> I guess I, that's I, why I wasn't on the series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they made it work somehow. Uh, 
I don't know how much of it they built versus just, you know, renovated a little bit. I, you know, one thing I always wonder when I, when you watch period pieces like these is how, how much of it is building or, and how much of it is just them finding old stuff. Because when it's notable looking at all these sets, how very 1960s, everything's look, everything looks. And, yeah. and uh, I don't know how to quite do that. <laughs> it's very, it's very well done. <laughs> That's the reason you're not on the series. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a production designer, set designer. It's and that's why. That's the most underrated role I feel in film or TV is the set and wardrobe designers because that's yeah. what really makes it all come together in the end. Well, an art department and actually here's another thought. All those American cars. Yeah. First off, old American cars now in Germany as part of this production. That was somebody's full-time job. It's like, do you just put a, a Facebook call out to like, hey, you own an old vintage car? Come on down. Come be in the film. I don't know. I, I doubt it was like that, but... <laughs> 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 I feel like that's another one of my great ideas. I, it's better than your idea that Borgov at the end was seeking political asylum. But <laughs> I think he was Gorgachev, but that's yeah, all right. <laughs> the Gorgachev. I like that because it's clear that you you like remembered one Russian name from history class, <laughs> but you <laughs> fucked it up. It's not his name. <laughs> it's it's Gorbachev. <laughs> Gorbachev. Yeah, it works for the KGB. Yeah. Yep. Monsieur Borgov, what's it like to compete with the younger players? Yeah, choose I feel good, as good as I felt when I was four years old and played my first game. Ms. Harmon, what do you say to those in the Chess Federation who accuse you of being too glamorous to be a serious chess player? I would say that it's much easier to play chess without the burden of an Adam's apple. <laughs> oh yeah, I wanted to talk about, just one last thing, was the, the mother. Uh, we glanced over her, her a bit in the, earlier, but how believable she was. And I guess she's a kind of a, she's a pretty big deal because the director talked about how big of a deal it was to get her in this series. He didn't think it would be possible, but she really just like the custodian, she, her acting in this, it's so believable. It's not like in your face. I don't know. She sinks into the role and I totally believed her as like this alcoholic messed up, but very loving mom. Yeah, I think she was a very subtle and an excellent performance conveying a 1950s housewife. Do you think... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I would do if my mom was like, hey, let's go down to Mexico City and uh, I'll come with you. I'm going to go out with this guy, though, for like every night drinking tequila <laughs> shots with him and dancing. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were there for a chess tournament, so it's not like they went down there on a whim. Yeah. Still, though, I don't know. You feel like... It's still weird, yeah. Like, even though it's your adopted mom, you'd be like, are you really going out with this dude again? Like, it's the fifth time this week. Right. Well, they they had the kind of bond where she that clearly didn't bother her. And it wasn't like weird. Like, she's seeing her. She's seeing her enjoy herself, which I think she intrinsically liked just watching her mom be happy. Now, I mean, take Brett down to Mexico City for a week. He'll be he'll be out partying 24 seven, baby. <laughs> uh, We'll see. Brett's like, I uh, will be in bed by 8 p.m. <laughs> uh, well, don't worry, Brett. We'll, well, get you, we'll get you down to Mexico City. If COVID ever ends, we'll see if we can get down there. But ah, Dude, a little COVID won't hurt nobody, right? That's not a thing. No, no not a thing. It's fake. I promise. It's fake news. Tequila is the best cure for COVID, I hear, too. Mm-hmm, yeah. The tournament starts tomorrow. I need to work on these end games. You know, perhaps, Beth, you have to work on yourself. Chess is not all there is. 
It's what I know. Well, my experience has taught me that what you know is not always what's important. And what's important? Living and growing. I think this is a near masterpiece of production. Riveting from start to finish and well-balanced in its pacing. Uh, incredible cinematography, set design, wardrobe, all the things we've been talking about. And I think it is an utterly enjoyable viewing experience that we should only hope Netflix is able to replicate with future projects. All right. Well, that's a lot to live up to. Brett, can you top that? <laughs> I can top it. So the, Queen, the Queen's Gambit was the most popular show on Netflix to date. Until Bridgerton came out. Oh, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> why would you why would you put a cold bucket of water on this? <laughs> I, and it's an entirely different audience. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's nine oh two one oh in the medieval times. Yeah. I've I've seen some scenes of it and I'm sure it's good, but uh it does not look no. like my cup of no, tea. No. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Brad, do you speak from person? Have you seen the entire Bridgerton series? Um, I've taken part through osmosis. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. All right. Well, out of, let's say, 10 queens <laughs> pieces. <laughs> <laughs> 10 queens. How many queens would you give this series and would you recommend it to the others to watch? Brett, would you like to go first? Sure. I think it's one of the best, like AJ said, one of the best series Netflix has come out with. And, you know, just from a from the quality of, of production and the way that they captured everything, I can't help but recommend it to people. But it is a more serious series. And, you know, you have to be in it to, to really enjoy it. And if it's a passive watch, it's something that I don't, you know, it's not going to be as easily digested but i think it was one of the best things netflix has produced to date here here yeah i uh, i would give it somewhere in the upwards of of nine queens and above maybe a 9.3 ish of queens uh it is a stellar series and i i recommend it to anyone and especially those that have at least a casual enjoyment of chess too well can you do like nine queens in a pawn so it's not quite a 10? Yeah, no. We Well, we can use the scoring system in chess. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but like a queen is, I, for, I forget exactly what the numbers are, but pawns are one point. And bishops are like three or something. Yeah, so it's like a queen and, and two pawns maybe. I would say, and be ready for this, you guys. <clears throat> if you're a rook e at <laughs> watching uh, board good. game movies slash series like this, and you want to watch it at night with your queen you're in for a castle of a good time okay. well you know, it's Wait, weird what's, uh, what's the ca- oh, i messed up the end of it you already used rook as rookie uh what's the other one? Oh, uh, bishop you, you could become the bishop of your town <laughs> i was gonna say that one doesn't work as well for play on words <laughs> and rule over all the pawns and that is what i say uh so yeah i would say nine nine queens and one pawn out of 10. I want to ask Brett first, uh, the question I want to start asking all guests, and you can feel free to take a second, Brett, but uh, is there a piece of visual entertainment that you would recommend to our fine audience, whether it be movies or film or 
uh, is is there uh, a AJ, movie? God, you you shut up, up, Sam. Shut up. <laughs> is there something you would recommend to the audience to watch, whether that be a movie or a TV show you've been enjoying? Like a favorite movie to watch, my best recommendation sitting here right now? Either, Yeah, either favorite or something you've been enjoying lately, something you, you would recommend. I would say The Way, Way Back. The Way, Way Back. It was a The Way, Way Back. It was one of my favorite movies that came out probably six, eight years ago. I feel like it flew under the radar, and it's a good watch. All right, cool. You heard it, people. The Way, Way Back. Go check it out. Well, Brett, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Do you have any social things or other things you want to shout out to the wide listening audience of the Video Lab podcast? <laughs> Did we lose Brett? <laughs> I no. I, it, it broke up a bit there in the middle. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> so nothing you want to shout out? No, no, no. I'm good. You know, you know Sam, we've you've been you've been asking that question for several guests now, and no one has anything to plug. So <laughs> Brett's <laughs> answers are just so funny, like very Canadian. It's just like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a I've got a, a high end maple syrup business. It's barrel aged, and uh, yeah. if you head over to barrelagemaplesyrup.com, <laughs> you'll find my. No, I'm just joking. Is that next to your maple leaf tree? <laughs> right, got to get her done. <laughs> As always, thank you everybody for listening to the Video Lab podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, be sure to email us at the Video Lab podcast at gmail.com. AJ, could you please tell our audience what we will be checking out in the next episode? Well, Samuel, I can. Next week, we will be viewing the 2018 sci fi mystery movie, Prospect. Oh, can't wait. Huh? You can find my review for this movie and other movies at my blog, asajthinks.com. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. Until next time, see ya. Peace.